Hi, and welcome back to the Byland Clinic podcast. Uh, it's been a few weeks uh, since I recorded anything. I believe this is episode number four here. Uh, the last couple weeks just got super, super busy, and so I just didn't have a chance to do it. Um, but I'm really going to try to work at uh, recording these and uploading them uh, more frequently and, and, and have a few ideas laid out in terms of um, you know future episodes here. But uh, when I left off, what I had been doing was uh, spending a little bit of time uh, walking through different types of learning disorders. So we talked about uh, dyslexia, uh, we talked about dysgraphia, and so to, to round things out here, uh, I thought I'd talk a little bit about uh, what they call dyscalculia, so a math learning disability. So dyscalculia is not something that most of us have probably heard of before. I think the word dyslexia is probably pretty common. Most people have some general sense in terms of what that is. Uh, but dyscalculia is a completely foreign term, right? So basically what we're talking about is a learning disorder in the area of math, right? So uh, dyslexia, uh, a learning disorder in the area of reading, uh, dysgraphia, a learning disorder in the area of writing, and dyscalculia is a learning disorder in the area of math. Now, uh, it can affect any number of different aspects of math, right? We can have math learning disorders that affect our ability to quickly recall basic math facts, right? They just they just don't ever seem to stick, or I don't ever seem to be able to recall them, or, or it might affect our ability to execute math procedures, right? So beyond just basic arithmetic, my ability to remember, uh, recall, uh, and just accurately execute uh, math procedures. Or it could really affect my conceptual understanding of math, right? Just like my mathematical reasoning ability and my number sense. And so, you know, maybe I might be able to remember basic math facts or maybe some procedures, but, but I don't really know what to do when, right? Because I'm not able to sort of generalize that information to uh, sort of a wider context and, and, and seeing how those mathematical concepts uh, relate to the real world or or transfer across different types of problems. So, uh, so math can break down for for a number of different uh, a number of different reasons. Now, uh, in terms of like special education services, uh, if you're looking at a child that has dyscalculia, they may qualify uh, for an individualized education program as a student with a specific learning disability. But but it'd be a specific learning disability in the area of math, right? So in math calculations or math problem solving, uh, for example. Now, now uh, I pause here for a second uh, before I sort of jump into explaining uh, how these disorders come about, uh, simply because math is just ridiculously complicated and, and uh, really mathematical processing is dependent on so many different sort of interconnected neural networks, it's not quite as straightforward in explaining uh, as it is when we're talking about a reading disability, um, but I'm gonna do my best here, right? So, uh, so I think with both uh, reading disabilities, with dyslexia and with writing, we talked about sort of different subtypes, right? So, uh, you know, different ways in which the process of reading or writing can start to break down. And so, so I'm gonna try to do the same here with math, right? And I think the others, uh, I talked about three, <laughs> Uh, it's the magic number. I, 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 there is a way I think I could explain this uh, looking at sort of three subtypes for the sakes of simplicity. Um, but uh, I don't know, I think for me it just might be a little bit easier for me to explain if we break it into four different areas, right? So 
Uh, so that's what I'm going to try to do, right, is sort of uh, break it down to four different areas uh, and, and kind of look at sort of uh, developmentally too, um, and sort of what skills kind of come online and, and learning how to do math and, and execute uh, math problems, uh, you know, so both in terms of learning uh, and school performance. So uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about here uh, is around uh, what they call visual spatial abilities, right? So uh, if your child's ever had a psychoeducational evaluation, there's probably some section in there where they talk about visual spatial abilities. And, and in my experience, it's one of the hardest areas for people in my profession to explain like what in the world is the educational relevance of visual spatial abilities. Well, I'll tell you one area, it's in terms of math. Uh, because uh, when we think about the concept of numbers, right, we're really talking about distance and and magnitude, right, and quantity. And, and all these are really sort of at their root kind of spatial concepts. So, um, you know, if I had a, a young child, right, and, and uh, you know, pre-verbal, you know, and, and I put a plate of cookies, five cookies on one side of the room and another plate with just two cookies on the other side of the room uh, and just let them have at it, uh, he's gonna crawl towards or walk towards the, the cookies, uh, the plate that has five cookies on it, right? Because even before the child has language, before the child knows how to count, right? Uh, there's just sort of intuitive sense of more, right? There's more cookies over there, right? I, I mean, the same thing's true when I go to the grocery store, right? So I've got Safeway by my house is notorious for their just crazy long lines. But, you know, as I'm walking up at sort of rush hour, grocery store traffic with my card at the end of the workday, uh, you know, I just visually scan and I don't count the number of people in each line or the number of items they have, but I can just sort of estimate, right? Like which line's gonna be the fastest line, you know, and I, and I jump into that one. And that's just our intuitive number sense. And it's crazy because there's even a part of the brain, right? Called the interparietal sulcus that has to do with this intuitive number sense, right? It's like our internal number line, right? Like this number line that exists in my brain where I'm able to do these estimations. Uh, and that's where visual spatial abilities really come into play with, with math. And, and kids that have visual spatial difficulties oftentimes struggle just sort of with number sense, right? So, uh, you know, things like skip counting are really difficult, you know, um, sort of judging whether or not an answer to a problem is just even reasonable, right? That, that you know, 16 plus four isn't 32 or something. That just doesn't make sense, right? Just with the distance and magnitude of numbers. Uh, so they might struggle with things like that or, or subtraction, for example. So, so kids um, memorize uh, addition and multiplication facts, just like learning any other verbal script, right? Like two plus two equals four, I just memorize that. But, but subtraction is different, right? We don't memorize subtraction facts um, because we're actually looking at the distance between numbers. Well, that, that depends a lot, a lot of visual spatial abilities to be able to, to mentally picture the distance between those numbers. And so, you know, things like subtraction can be affected too. But, but if I just have, have a good general number sense, that can really make math very difficult just out of the gate, right? It's just math isn't making a lot of sense for me. Now, uh, our visual spatial abilities are good for estimation, right? It's, it's a real rough, processing ability, right? So, so it's limited, you know, so if, uh, if the numbers are small, I can quickly gauge which is bigger or smaller, right? Or if there's like a really big distance between the two numbers, I can gauge which one is bigger or smaller, right? So, so if I had uh, five and two, I can tell, right? If I had 50 and 20, I can tell the difference, right? But if I had 55 and 52, right, higher number, 
uh, smaller difference. Um, I can't estimate that, right? And, and at that point, I need some tool for being much more precise. Uh, and that's where language and other symbols, like number symbols, um, come into play, right? And, and because we're then able to execute things with a lot of precision, right? Um, so uh, things like memorizing basic math facts and being able to quickly recall them, right? Um, being able to remember math procedures, right? Uh, and how to execute those. Um, all of those are, are really dependent on our, our verbal abilities uh, and our, our ability to represent numbers with symbols that then allow me to calculate things with much more precision. So, uh, so if kids have language processing disabilities, uh, a lot of times this may occur with early reading difficulties, but they may have a hard time remembering basic math facts, right? They struggle to remember uh, basic arithmetic, addition, and multiplication. And, uh, and they may struggle later with sort of uh, uh, aspects of sequencing um, in, in performing various math operations. And, and that may be related to some language or symbolic processing difficulties. So, uh, so we have got our kids with visual spatial difficulties, right? Our, our kids with language and, and memory difficulties um, struggling uh, with math. Uh, and that would cover sort of two of the four areas. Uh, the third one is as we sort of advance in math, not only do I have to have a decent number sense, um, I've got to be able to remember and recall math facts uh, and procedures, but now uh, as math becomes more complicated, right, there's a lot more variables involved in performing various math operations. Uh, it requires a lot more what they call like working memory and different executive skills. So uh, working memory uh, is really our ability to mentally manage multiple pieces of information that I need to execute a task, right? So, so a real clear example for parents, right, is telling our kid to do three things, you know, and, and did they remember them and did they do them in the right order, right? That's, that's working memory. Um, but in math, you know, I have to remember, not only remember uh, my math facts um, and have a recall of some of these procedures, but I also have to to remember the sequence of steps, uh, keep all that information active in my awareness as I'm going through the sequence of steps, right? So not just remembering the sequence of steps, but being able to execute it, right? As I'm performing one operation, I'm still tracking on the thing that I did just before it. I'm still keeping track of the next step in the process, right? Um, all those things require a lot of working memory. And, and there's other what they call executive skills too. So things like uh, like uh, self-monitoring, right? And and attending to details, you know, which can really sort of trip you up when you're having to be really precise in your executions. Because if you miss one step, or if you misread a sign, or uh, you forget to you don't carry something down into the wrong column, you know, suddenly the whole math problem falls apart, right? Now, uh, on some level, that's more of an execution difficulty than a learning difficulty, right? Because it's not that you're having a hard time understanding or retaining the information, but more of an issue with execution. The problem, though, uh, is that over time, um, you start to develop really bad habits uh, and uh, some really significant gaps in learning start to occur. You know, they have this saying, like, practice makes perfect, right? But, but that's not true. Uh, practice makes permanent, right? So if you keep doing something the wrong way or doing something a different way each time, uh, you're not going to remember the right way to do it, right? Uh, and the more times I repeat a process, 
uh, the more habitual it becomes, the more automatic it becomes, and the harder it is to unlearn, right? So, so not only am I learning to do it the wrong way, but it's going to be harder now for me to unlearn doing it the wrong way in order to learn how to do it the right way. So, so these execution difficulties can lead to really significant gaps in kids, uh, you know, uh, math calculation skills. You know, maybe not their conceptual understanding of math, um, but their 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 execution of math operations. Um, can really be significantly impacted because of these, you know, working memory and executive skills deficits. So uh, that kind of leads us to the to the fourth area uh, that can really trip us up with math, uh, and that really has to do with our just our our uh, semantic or conceptual understanding of math, right? Uh, so this does tie into that visual spatial ability, right? Sort of that number sense, but there's this other portion of it that has more to do with just reasoning, right? So not just uh, my ability to to perceive things in space and distance and magnitude, but my ability to see patterns, right? Uh, and not only my ability to perceive patterns, my, my ability to then uh, apply those patterns um, to solve new types of problems, right? So, uh, and this has a lot to do with what they call in assessment reports, like fluid reasoning, right? Or, or more specific to math, what they call quantitative reasoning. But really what this has to do with, again, is that ability to see patterns um, and then take what I've learned uh, and apply those to new problems uh, in order to, to solve uh, problems and, and execute tasks um, that are unfamiliar to me, right? So this is this, this what they call this fluid reasoning ability. Uh, and it really affects our conceptual understanding of math, right? So, so there's a lot of different ways that math can start to break down, right? And it's it's really very complicated. It's not nearly as sort of like linear, and it's certainly not trying to explain than it is with a, a reading disability, for example. Um, but again, our our visual spatial abilities can affect our our basic number sense. Uh, language processing difficulties uh, can affect our ability to to uh, uh, remember and, and recall uh, math facts uh, and procedures could also affect our ability to understand the language of math, right? There's, you know, an aspect of learning a new language with math and words like, uh, you know, perpendicular, uh, quadrilateral, right? These are all different, uh, you know, new language that I have to be able to remember. Um, but then also those procedural aspects, you know, related to working memory and executive functions. Uh, and then lastly, sort of that, that conceptual reasoning ability uh, that's involved in math, and uh, and uh, it can affect different aspects of of the um, you know, of math problem solving. So um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that in terms of math assessments. Um, what I also wanted to sort of foreshadow here a little bit. Um, in fact, was originally planning on doing it before this episode. I was talking to somebody who really specializes in these academic interventions. So. You know, assessment's one thing, right? Sort of understanding, you know, why a child's having difficulty in school is one thing, but but really the value in that is then saying, okay, now what are we going to do to help them, right? Because ultimately that's what this is all about, right? Is is how do we help kids? That's why I do this, right? To help kids. Um, it's probably why you're listening to this is to to help your own child or perhaps the child that you work with, and so uh, so. Maybe even the next uh, episode here, uh, I'll, I'll have a chance to sit down with that person uh, and talk to them about what they're doing to, uh, to help kids that have learning difficulties. Because I, I, 
I know that they're doing a fantastic job because they've done a fantastic job with um, with some of my clients and, and really wanted to kind of pick their brain a bit and, and get them to share some of that information with you. So uh, so look forward to that. Hopefully in the next podcast episode, we've had some scheduling uh, conflicts. So uh, hopefully we get that done here pretty soon. But you know, as always, I just want to thank you so much for, for joining me, uh, spending a little bit of your day uh, listening to me talk about these things. Uh, again, uh, I think I've said this before, but probably bears repeating each time here uh, is, you know, this general information, right? If you have specific questions about your child, right, whether it's related to assessment or interventions or, or maybe even uh, special education laws and regulations, uh, you certainly, you know, encourage to reach out to a professional in your area that can answer your specific questions. You know, nothing about this presentation is, is uh, you know, diagnostic for any particular individual, right? Just sort of general information here. Uh, the other thing I would say though too, uh, is I'm really interested in your thoughts. And so if you have any comments uh, or questions, I would love to be able to, to gather those and use that information for for future podcasts, right? Um, I do this because I want to be helpful. Uh, want to be able to share information with people that might benefit from it. Uh, and the best way for me to do that is to uh, address the comments and questions that you have, right? Um, so that I, I know that the information I'm sharing is of use to you. So, uh, so please do that. Uh, and again, thank you so much for listening and uh, look forward to uh, recording the next episode. All right, take care.